Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. Get me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. First and foremost, got to start out the show by apologizing to Leafs newcomer, the second round pick, Matthew Nice. I butchered his last name in yesterday's podcast. Absolute butcher job. So I do want to apologize. It is nice, not nice. Um, yeah, I am. I am. I apologize, and I'm sorry for that. So hopefully we can move on. Uh, but a couple of people did bring it to my attention, and uh, I did realize that I, I in fact, did say his name uh, incredibly wrong basically every single time I said it yesterday. But you know, if he becomes a Maple Leaf, it's a name that I definitely am going to want to know. So hopefully, Nice is uh, is a name that we'll be saying and hearing for a very long time. Uh, Some updates on a couple of Leafs pending UFAs uh, coming up today. We'll chat a little bit about that. Uh, As promised, I've got that Kyle Dubas audio on his reasoning for passing on a Zach Hyman sign-and-trade with the Edmonton Oilers and why he believes that what he is doing by not taking a pick is actually the right call. And, and, you know, I'll get into that. Uh, I, I think that is somewhat of a right call, but depending on how else everything shook out. And Travis Yost, uh, writer for TSN.ca, had an interesting blockbuster trade proposal on the website on TSN.ca. Uh, you can go check it out on the site to get the the you know the entire deal and exactly read what he wrote. But essentially, it was a deal revolving around the Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabers, an absolute blockbuster. So stick around in a bit. I'll tell you all about that, who's involved, and if I think this is a deal that the Maple Leafs should potentially pursue. But let's get to these reports. Um, So today, unsurprisingly, we were told by Pierre Lebrun that the Leafs still have not tabled an offer to Freddie Anderson. Now, he also did come out and say it's it's entirely possible that, you know, sometime tomorrow night, you know, the 11th hour on Wednesday, that he could end up with a, a contract offer. Could very well happen, but to this point, there is none. And I, I don't expect that to happen. I've turned the page on Freddie Anderson's, you know, era here in Toronto. And I think there's other teams that are going to be looking to pay the man um, a lot more than I think Toronto is willing to do, right? Toronto can't really pay him a lot of money. Like, if he wants to stay, he's got to hover around that $3 million range, in my opinion, and I think that he'll be able to get upwards of 4 and a half to 5 if not even 5 and a half on the open market. Um, I have a quick clip here that I can also play. Uh, this was uh, today. Uh, who's talking? Pierre Lebrun was the one who was talking, and Pierre Lebrun was essentially talking about the goaltending market for Toronto and uh, gives a, a potential landing spot for not only Freddie Anderson, but also says there's a potential goaltender that Toronto could have their eye on. So I'm quickly going to play this clip for you right here, and then, uh, and then I'll chat about it on the other side. 
As I reported earlier Monday, the Toronto Maple Leafs have yet to make a contract offer here uh, or a new offer to Frederick Anderson. Uh, you know, there has been dialogue. The two sides have been talking once in a while, but no concrete offer on the table for, for Freddie Anderson. In the meantime, you mentioned Carolina doesn't have a single goalie signed right now after trading Alex Nedeljkovic uh, last week. This is what I find interesting is I think somewhere on Carolina's shortlist, uh, Freddie Anderson is on there. And I think somewhere on Toronto's shortlist is Peter Morazic, the outgoing UFA goalie from, or one of Carolina's outgoing goalies. So possibility here in a way through free agency of perhaps the Hurricanes and the Leafs swapping goalies. In the meantime, uh, I think that both the Leafs and the Hurricanes have also shown trade interest in Darcy Kemper, uh, the Arizona goalie who has a year left on his deal at four and a half million. All right, so an interesting little nugget there from Pierre Lebrun uh, uh, that he was talking about today. So Leafs yet to table an offer on Freddie Anderson, but did note that the Hurricanes could be interested, and that makes a lot of sense. We talked about probably for the last two years, anytime we're discussing a potential Fred Anderson trade, which is something that I talked about a lot last offseason, and Carolina was the first team that popped up. They're the first team that I always went to and said, look, there's a trade that could be made here to bring in a solid defenseman. They've got it. You know, maybe they could try and do something. They didn't end up making a trade, but it looks like they potentially could end up swapping goalies anyways. And Freddie Anderson has interest from Carolina. And the Leafs clearly interest with Peter Morazic. And, you know, Morazic's been a, a, a real solid goaltender the last couple of years since getting there. Um, you know, you think about his time with Detroit, it was pretty, pretty up and down. He started off good. And then as that team really started to get garbage, to be quite honest with you, uh, his game went south as well. But I mean, with Detroit, uh, back in what 2015-16, which was his second last year there, uh, he had a 2.33 goals against at a 9.21 save percentage, and did play in three playoff games and was p- quite stellar in those games. But uh, so that you know, he he did okay in Detroit, and then it really fell off a cliff in 16-17, where that team just really, really uh, took a dumpster dive. 50 games at 3.04 goals against and. A 901 save percentage, and then uh, a, a 289 goals against the following year was traded to Philly, where he is, did not play well either. A 322 goals against an 891 save percentage, and then the last three seasons has kind of re- rehabilitated himself in Carolina. But here's the thing: he hasn't been like a true, legit, clear-cut starter. He has only played a maximum of 40 games in uh in Carolina, right? 40 games in his first year in 1819, he was had a 239 goals against and a 914 save percentage. Also played in 11 playoff games that year with a 273 goals against and an 894 save percentage. Really improved his playoff numbers though the following year and that was the year in the bubble where he in the five games in the bubble he had a 208 goals against and a 929 save percentage. Um, so really, really played well in the bubble and, and played good this season too. Like his, he got injured, which is another issue here with Morazic. Injury has kind of been the reason why he hasn't been able to stay on the ice and stay uh, as the number one goaltender for a lot of his career. And this year, just 12 regular season games. Now he was stellar in those 12 games at 206 goals against and a 923 save percentage, but um, injury is 
history does linger here with Peter Morazic. So that's an interesting name to keep an eye on. I believe he was a name that I brought up a little bit ago. Like he's 29 years old, so roughly the same age as Jack Campbell and a guy who has been a 1A, 1B type scenario for the last few seasons in Carolina. So he kind of just swaps his role with a new team, you know, And, and I don't know if it would take that much to get him. Uh, this last season, he was playing uh, for $3.1 million. I don't know how much more than that uh, they're, the Leafs are going to be comfortable paying. I don't know how much more he's going to want. I think around three, three and a half million, I would say, is probably there and abouts where, uh, where I feel comfortable with a guy like Mrazic. So that's, that's a name to keep an eye on over the next couple of days with the goaltending uh, here with Toronto. He also did mention Darcy Kemper who's another guy who's kind of been a 1A uh, 1A goaltender with some injury history. And that's a little bit uh, like something that I somewhat don't like about the names that are popping up here that they have interest in. Like you already have a a goaltender, like a 1A, 1B type goaltender with injury history. Getting two of them I I don't really like. To be honest with you, I I would prefer to hear a name like Mark Andre Fleury come up, who's been quitty, who's been pretty um pretty uh you know steady throughout his time in Vegas. He's been a real quality goaltender, obviously coming off a Vesna campaign, but he hasn't really gotten injured, and we know that he can play a one A one B role like he's done in Vegas the last couple of seasons. I know it's a big cap hit, but if you can get them to retain half or try and do a double retention and get them for. Uh, you know, only 25% of his cap hit, I think that would be a, a tremendous, tremendous pickup. So I keep hearing the name Mrazic. I keep hearing the name Kemper. But the one that I really want the least to try and see if they can figure something out is with Marc-Andre Fleury, if he's available. You know, I would imagine he might be considering what's gone on in, in, in Vegas. And, you know, they've got Leonard signed to a long-term deal. I don't know if they will want to deal him away because he's younger and Fleury could really kind of fall off a cliff. And he's only got like one year left on his deal too. So uh, that could be an option that I haven't heard much about, but uh, I mean, conversations could be happening. And if a guy like Mrazic signs elsewhere, Kemper, you know, there's lots of interesting Kemper. I've heard a couple other teams are interested. If, you know, he goes elsewhere as well. Well, now maybe the the list has to expand and uh, the flower could potentially be a guy of interest for the Maple Leafs. Um, uh, so that's the goaltending situation, I guess, uh, as of now. In terms of other UFAs, I guess they're still chatting with Nick Felino, which is, a I think, a positive sign. I think it depends what he wants. I'd be comfortable going as high as $3 million per season on like a one- or two-year deal. I don't know if that's what he'd want, but I think that would be the comfort level for me and somebody who uh, I know was really excited to come to Toronto and then an injury plagued him and didn't play well in the playoffs and, and realistically it just didn't work out. You know, the Leafs spent a first-round pick to bring him in, and now there's this sour taste in everyone's mouth about Nick Felino. But at the end of the day, like he's an incredibly versatile player, good character, locker room guy, and I think he can help this team win win if he's healthy uh so you know a full off season stay healthy i think nick felino could potentially be that zach hyman replacement at the sub three and a half million dollar deal that i think you're hoping to get for a, a hyman replacement i think they're still discussing potential return of alex galchenyuk as well um and it really just looks like this team's gonna run it back man like everyone 
is pretty much signed and back in place. I think a, a different goaltender outside of Freddie Anderson, and maybe it sounds like they might be interested in bringing in uh, a replacement as a depth defenseman, perhaps to um, to uh, defenseman. Why am I Zach Bogosian? So outside of a Bogosian replacement and an Anderson replacement, they may just decide. Okay, we'll go with Nick Foligno. We'll bring back Galchenyuk. We'll let uh, you know our second rounder from a couple of years ago uh, have an opportunity Nick Robertson have an opportunity to try and battle with Felino and Galchenyuk for a role on this team and that's where they're going to put their money at is going to be with Felino and then a, a decent goaltender if that is a Kemper or they have to spend up a little bit and, and get themselves a flurry or get themselves a Mrazic we'll see what ends up happening tomorrow we'll get more in depth into the, the free agent market I guess as free agency is Tomorrow, So uh, that's kind of the up-to-date, I guess, with the pending UFAs for the Maple Leafs. Uh, And then, obviously, the one that I haven't mentioned yet is Zach Hyman. And we're going to take a quick break, but coming up on the other side, uh, there's a resolution with Hyman. He's gone. He's not going to be here. Uh, There is a deal in place out west. I'll tell you about that deal, and I'll tell you about why... Kyle Dubas elected to not do a sign and trade when he had the opportunity to get an asset for his expiring UFA and why it was actually a very smart and shrewd uh, ballsy move out of Kyle Dubas. And we'll do that all next here on the Lockdown Lease podcast. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know that the Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time only right now? They've got Grasshopper Cookie. It is phenomenal. And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about all of their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. You got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. And know this, my favorite flavor, the peanut butter brownie. It is fantastic. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors that we provide. And not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health-conscious guy or gal, but also good for the keto diet. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like and get it now. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of this show. And just a reminder, we are a daily Maple Leafs podcast. And uh, make sure you are subscribed to get that daily content. All right, so the final UFA really of interest that I haven't discussed is Zach Hyman. And it's been widely reported over the last week or so that Hyman and the Oilers are Basically, they got a deal in place. There's a deal in place. There was one for a seven-year deal and an eight-year deal. The reports are a seven-year deal was going to be in the average of $5.5 million AAV and an eight-year deal with a $5 million AAV. But the only way to get that eighth year is to get a sign-and-trade done and hammered out with the Toronto Maple Leafs because Toronto, we're the only ones who could sign him to an eighth year. So we'd have to sign him now and then trade him away. So that would be the only way 
to have that uh, eighth-year cap savings if you're the Edmonton Oilers. And so the Leafs with Kyle Dubas and Ken Holland, the GM of the Oilers, they were going back and forth on this for about a week. And uh, eventually, no deal got done. The reports are that Dubas was asking for a second-round pick for the cap savings. That's what he had put value on uh, on the cap savings for Edmonton. Meanwhile, Ken Holland reportedly only willing to give up a six-round pick uh, in return for the cap savings. And they did not come to a resolution. The draft came and gone. Now, technically, there's still some time to hammer out a deal for a future pick. But it sounds more like uh, unless that that unless Ken Holland basically comes down from his ask, Kyle Dubas is more than uh, happy to let Hyman walk and kind of stick the Oilers with a little bit higher of an AAV. And here's a quick clip uh, about basically what I just said, but, you know, in his words, his reasoning for why he's electing to let Hyman walk instead of just picking up a six-rounder for an expiring asset regardless. In terms of compensation, I think it's uh, it's fairly simple. Um, you know, there, there's a there's a big benefit to me of adding the eighth year on in terms of the cap savings uh, to the team that's that's going to sign him, and uh, we've been on all ends of that. Uh, we've we've been a team that's facilitated uh, retention at the at the deadline in 2020 between Vegas and Chicago. We've been on the other side of that this year um, with having to pay to have teams retain and and save on the cap. And then we've had to, you know, we had the Patrick Marlowe situation in 2019 as well. So uh, we know what the value is of of that retention of, of going to the, the eighth year, or the cap savings. And, and so if there's a fair deal to be made to do that, we'll do that. But we've been in that situation before at the trade deadline. And and uh, when you're in that spot, you know, the other GMs aren't aren't helping you out. They're they're pulling the pin from the grenade and they're throwing it to you. So um, I know that there's a narrative that, you know, we should just get something, but when you're saving a team significant dollars on the salary cap, that comes with a cost, and we're not going to bend on that. Doobie, way to grow a set, bud. That's how you stick to your guns and you show everyone that you're not going to get pushed around. That's right. There is a price to pay to acquire cap space. You look at what uh, a lot of these teams over the last week have done, what they've given up, the amount of money that they've given up to acquire cap space uh, by moving out guys like Andrew Ladd, guys like Shane Gossis-Bear. Um, you know, just yesterday, Anton Strallman was moved for a second-round pick as well as a prospect additionally to that second-round pick, a guy who was taken in 29. So basically two seconds to take on that uh, cap space and relieve the Florida Panthers of some cap and, you know, some other deals that have been made over the last little bit. Obviously, you know, the Vancouver deal was massive, giving up some some uh, cap space uh, for them. They had to give up their first, and they also acquired some decent players. A little bit of a different situation. But regardless, Dubas knows because he's had to deal with it himself as well, right? There is a price to pay if you want additional cap space. And it was a great analogy he used. You know, GMs aren't throwing you a lifeline. They're taking the pin out of the grenade and throwing it to you and saying, here, have fun. Deal with it. And that's exactly what's going on. So Kyle Dubas doesn't want to throw a lifeline and say, you know what, fine, for a six-rounder, let's do it. I mean, the odds of a six-rounder turning into anything are, are, are quite low, right? So it makes sense. He was wanting a second. Now, if he if he's, like, really sticking his, you know, if he's digging into his heels and he's saying, nope, we're not taking a third or a fourth, we want a second or nothing, 
I mean, I think I would have been okay with a second or a third, considering that Hyman's leaving anyways. I think like meeting in the middle there would have probably worked out for both teams, and both teams could be happy with that. But if in fact he wasn't offered that, there was no demand, there was no uh, meeting in the middle from an Edmonton perspective, and they're like, nope, we're giving up a six, or we're just going to go ahead and sign him on Wednesday and give up nothing, then that's what you get. You do not get the cap savings. If you want it, come see us for a deal real late. And uh, like I said, still technically some time for the Oilers to do something like that, but uh, it's not likely at this point that that is going to happen. But good for Kyle Dubas, man. Sticking to your guns, digging your heels in, and uh, not getting pushed around. Um, It's, you know, there is a part of me who is somewhat of a draft guy that says, like, hey, you're losing him anyways. Like, you might as well get a pick. Like, there is a part of me that says that, but then I also understand the game. The game within the game, right? You don't want to be known as a guy who, you know, gets bullied and can be pushed around when it comes to other GMs. You kind of already have that uh, that thought process with players when it comes to contract negotiations. You definitely cannot allow the GMs to walk all over you and just say, hey, take it or leave it, and then you just have to be forced into taking it. No, you can say, no, I'll leave it and, and you know, stick him with the, with the extra – $500,000 cap. And I mean, trust me, take it from a Leafs fan. Uh, cap is, especially in a flat cap world over the next few seasons, like that extra $500,000 could come in handy. I know that the Leafs would love to have an extra $500,000 of cap space. Would love to. And would probably be willing to pay up, you know, a, a second or a third round pick to get it, realistically. And if the Oilers aren't willing to do that, fine. Then you can take them on for the full pop. A seven-year deal at about five and a half million bucks, which is the deal that is reportedly agreed upon and will become official. Uh, it's probably what noon or one p.m. or whatever it is on uh, on Wednesday. So yeah, Hyman uh, Hyman gone doesn't look like the Leafs are going to end up getting any type of compensation in uh, in a sign and trade, but that's okay. That is totally okay. Dubis, you know his his pride. And uh, is is worth more than a six round pick at the end of the day, which I, I respect it. I respect it. Um, okay, we'll take one more quick break. When we get back, I got to tell you about this blockbuster deal from Travis Yost. This one blew my mind. I was I was strolling the Twitter timeline and I was on TSN.ca and I saw this kind of pop up and I was like, what? So I'll tell you about that big blockbuster deal between the Leafs and the Sabres and what he's proposing could be a win-win for both sides. And we'll do that next here on the Locked on Leafs podcast. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. The NHL playoffs are in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on your sports needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action, and more. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign in today. Use a promo code locked on and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on for 50% off your first deposit at betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano with you, the host of Locked on Leafs. The daily Maple Leafs podcast here presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Um, Just a reminder also that later in the week we're going to have Tony Ferrari stopping by to give us more of an in-depth view on the the players that were taken in the draft this weekend. The three guys uh, that were added to the prospect pool, Matthew Nice, my man, Matt Nice, uh, Ty Voigt, and then Vashislav Peksa. Uh, so he'll come on and he'll be able to give us a little bit more insight on what he saw uh, over the course of, of the last couple of years scouting these players. And maybe we'll see if we can we could snag a grade for the Maple Leafs out of Tony and see what he thinks of their their uh, their draft overall. So just a reminder that will be coming up later in the week. So make sure you are subscribed so that you get that podcast directly to your phone. And uh, yeah, you can check out the Lockdown Leafs podcast wherever you get your podcast from. So let's get to this blockbuster deal that I promised you guys. I know I've been teasing it a little bit, and now it's 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 time to tell you about it because it's a blockbuster and it's a head it's a an absolute head rattler. And this is Travis Yost, a writer for TSN.ca. Coming through with an absolute hammer of a trade proposal. This man is offering up a deal surrounding the Maple Leafs and the Buffalo Sabres. Not for Jack Eichel, though. Surprisingly. No. This is a deal that would net the Maple Leafs Rasmus Dahlin. What would it cost? Well, he says Mitch Marner may be the piece to go the other way. There are, are you know, he goes on to say there are, di- you know, different aspects to be included in this deal. He doesn't see it as a one-for-one, one, but he does see it as an interesting framework to kind of start dialogue, something that could work out for both teams. So you got to think, like, Darlene, former number one pick, you know, this is, he was considered a generational type defenseman, um, an, an absolute stud, number one, who's got a great two-way game, plays well in his own zone, can move the puck, can play on the power play. You know, he was said to be like the next Victor Hedman-esque player, right? Young, uh, you know, big, mobile, Swedish defenseman. Um so is that like that is clearly something that the Leafs need is a good young defenseman up and coming guy. He's 21 years old. Absolutely. The Leafs would love to add him. But Mitch Marner, is it worth adding Marner to the deal? What do the Leafs get? Well, so not only do they acquire a number one defenseman that they need, but they get that much needed cap relief. Like Marner's making almost $11 million. $11 million as a winger. Darlene, I believe, actually needs a contract. I think he's an RFA this year. I don't see that contract coming anywhere near the $11 million. I mean, Kel McCarr just got $9 million himself. And Kel McCarr is, is to this point, a, a better defenseman and a better player than Darlene. So I don't think he's coming near that. I don't think Darlene has even garnered Miro Heiskanen-type money. I think Darlene probably coming in at a bridge deal between 5 and $6 million, maybe you know on a three-year deal, and then you can reevaluate there once he enters his prime on a more longer-term deal where he can really cash in. Because he hasn't quite lived up to the billing as that you know, franchise, uh, you know, changing defenseman, but it's still there, right? Like you still think that he can be that. And there's also the thought process is, well, is it, is Dowling just like not, is he playing poorly or is he looked upon poorly because he's playing in Buffalo, which is a total tire fire? Like if he was in a different situation, how much better would he look? Like is, are his defensive metrics 
because he's playing poorly or because the whole team around him is a god awful, right? So if he's in a better situation, like here in Toronto, will he become that number one guy? Like that top, like Victor Hedman level defenseman, future multiple Norris winning defenseman that he was projected to be when he was drafted. It's an interesting, interesting trade. And like I said, you get that immediate cap relief of like five-ish million dollars, let's say, on on the low end. Um, could even be a little bit higher, perhaps. If if you know, it, it, I guess it could be right. Could be higher. Uh, but we'll even use five million, and then you take that extra five and you use it to go out and and do some other things. If this trade was made today, that extra five million could actually be put to, to bring back Zach Hyman. Realistically, it could be. I don't know if that's what I'd like to do, especially if he's looking for a seven, eight-year deal. That's a lot of term. I don't know if I'm willing to do that. But you can put that money, you know, elsewhere. That that five million now, instead of you know giving three million to Nick Felino, well, now you have some money. Maybe you can even go big buck hunting. A guy like Jaden Schwartz, who's entering the the free agent market. A guy like Gabriel Landeskog. Maybe you can go out and you can make a trade and bring in a better goaltender. Maybe uh, John Gibson, a guy who you could bring in who's got some term making a little bit more money than the $3 million that you otherwise were looking to allocate to the goaltending position. You know, so it, it really opens up some cap relief, and it's an, it's an interesting deal to think about. Ultimately, I don't know if I make it. I mean, from a Sabres perspective, they're getting an absolute superstar, Mitch Marner, uh, but it's going to cost them a lot of money. But from a Sabres perspective, does, does this trade do enough for them to keep Jack Eichel? Maybe I'll see if I can get Joe DiBiase on from Locked On Sabres so we can work through this deal and see if there's any interest from from their end. I know that there's, you know, there I have some, I would entertain talking about the offer as a one-for-one. I don't think I would do it, but if there is uh, a deal that could be made with these two as the main focal points of the trade, I feel like I would listen on it. And I love Marner. Like, Marner is a fantastic player. I don't think the Leafs should trade Marner. I know there's that trade Marner camp out there. Maybe you listening are one of those people, and that's totally fair. What he's done in the playoffs has been awful, and and he's making too much money. I will completely agree with that. But he still is, like, a top 10 player in the NHL. He just is. Like, this guy had Hart Trophy uh, nominations this year as league MVP. Like, he was nominated as a top five player in the league. So that's that's tough to give up for Darlene, but I mean, if he if if Rasmus Darlene turns into that stud defenseman, like the Leafs are so heavy up front, and you can replace Marner with William Nylander, right? Like it's not like you don't have a guy roaring to take over that top right wing position. You definitely do. Now replacing Nylander on Tavares's line might be a, a little bit more tricky. That said, you do have Rodion Amirov, the young player taken in the first round last year. That projects to be a middle six player. Matthew Nyes projects to be a middle six winger. I believe he's a left winger, though. But still, um, it's an interesting, interesting concept, an interesting trade theory, I think. Uh, this is one that I don't anticipate coming coming to fruition, but this is like... Almost like a you know back in the day like a Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson deal, where it's two elite young talents, um, and two teams swap for something that for, for needs for for big time needs and is left wing is the left defensive spot a, a major need for the Maple Leafs? Not yet, but if Morgan Riley's on his way out next season, 
Maybe that is. And maybe this even allows you to deal Morgan Riley a year early and you use that cap space to go out and get yourself a Marner replacement. Or a guy who can play on your your, your second line even. No, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting deal. Like I said, I, I don't know if I would make it. I don't think the Leafs ha- even would entertain this trade. They've been extremely, extremely, uh, the messaging coming out of there is, you know, we can, we will, we're going to run it back, and we're going to, you know, this is the last ride, this is the last dance. We are running it back with this team, and this is this is the team we're going to win with or we're going to lose with, and uh, that seems to be what Kyle Dubas' is, is mantra is this offseason. So a massive deal of this magnitude I do not expect to come down, but I did think that it was real real interesting and a creative kind of outside-of-the-box um, thought by Travis Yost that I wanted to, to kind of bring to your guys' attention. And let me know on Twitter if you think that this is something that you would like for the Leafs to do. You know, not that you think they'll do it, but if you think this would actually be a good trade for them to do, right? Like, a, you get that cap space, you get that young stud defenseman that you could have for the next decade. You know, there's a lot of pros involved in this deal. But losing out on Marner is a pretty big con, too. So you let me know what you think of the of this deal. Let me know on Twitter, at Mickey underscore Canuck. Or at Locked On Leafs on Twitter, one of those two. You can let me know, or write it in the comment section below, down uh, you know where your uh, you know wherever you get these podcasts from, iTunes or whatever. You know, write it in the comment section your thoughts on this deal. But that will do it for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. It's free agent frenzy. We'll be talking all about the upcoming free agents. I'll be kind of uh, playing match the match game. Talking about which free agents I think will end up in which city for which team. And obviously talk about some of the guys who I think Toronto could be going after. Probably not many big boys, but definitely some decent uh, young talent. And there were some good RFAs, actually. Some youngish RFAs that were not qualified today uh, that I also think could be potential options for the Maple Leafs. Nick Ritchie, one of those, uh, formerly of the Ducks and the Bruins. A very young power forward who... Who I think a bottom six, he adds a little bit of bite. He's someone I'd be interested in. I would be. And he's now going to be a UFA after being non-tendered. So uh, a couple other names that I'll throw out tomorrow. That was just a, a little bit, a little, little hint, a little sneak peek about what we'll be discussing tomorrow. But uh, definitely check that out. That's to do it for me here today. And uh, yeah, be back again here tomorrow. And until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.